You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Career Talk, a monthly program featuring information on career and academic planning sponsored by the Rowan University Office of Career Advancement. And now, here's your host, the Assistant Director of the Office of Career Advancement, Ruben Britt. Welcome to Career Talk. I'm your host, Ruben Britt. John Quincy Adams once said, If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. My guest today reflects that statement because she has inspired so many people to pursue their dreams, increase their knowledge to become successful, and she exemplifies what a true leader is. Joining me today on Career Talk is Dr. Shawanda Moore, CEO and owner of Royal Financial Service. Dr. Moore, welcome to Career Talk. Hello. Thank you. I'm excited to be here today. Dr. Moore, can you tell our listeners about your professional career journey? Well, my professional career journey, you know, started off rough, you know, um, required some work, you know, as normal, some work that I had to do, you know, from the mud uh, to get it um, uh, to become successful. So it's a, a long journey, but it was very successful. Now, how long has uh, Royal Financial Service been in existence? It's been in existence for over 12 years, but we... um. They made it a company, an official company in 2018. And what prompted you to choose the profession of financial business? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked that, that question. It's kind of funny, you know, um, being that I'm a former educator and my degrees are in criminal justice. Uh, I worked for a financial company during taxes, um, for to make extra money on the side from being an educator. And I actually felt more of my passion being there because the clients had a lot of questions uh, about financial needs that they didn't quite understand. So I would go home and I would research it to become more knowledgeable to uh, meet the demand of helping others. So I think it was more of seeing the need for financial uh, literacy and being able to explain certain things in my community that motivated me to want to find the answers and be of uh, assistance to them. Now, you talked about that you were an educator, uh, and I believe you said your undergraduate degree was in criminal justice. How did you get to that point? Can you tell us a little bit about your background as an educator? Well, as an educator... uh, I fell in it as well. Uh, I always had a strong demeanor for behavior management. Mm-hmm. So I started out subbing, you know, in need for a job. I was a substitute teacher and I would go on the different uh, schools and sub the classes. Okay. And when a principal uh, saw my strength and being able to have the kids to behave well and complete the assignment, you know, uh, three years after she offered me a position as an in-house sub. And then my degree level allowed me to go in um, later down the years as a teacher because I had a master's degree at that point. So it pretty much waived the first part of the teaching requirement. 
Um, and that's how I kind of, you know, got in more of my, my demeanor for uh, demanding and having relationships that were uh, revolve around behavior management. Now, you have three different degrees. Can you tell us uh, where you received your degrees from? The first degree I received from Delgado Community College, there was an associate, associate of science, uh, I mean, associate of art and criminal justice. My second one is from Sutton University at New Orleans. Uh, it's a criminal justice degree. My third is a master in criminal justice from University of Phoenix. And then my PhD was from Warden University in public policy and administration. As CEO and owner of Royal Financial Services, what was the biggest challenges you faced when you started your business? Trying to um, remove my heart from it. When I first started my business, I did it for free. My major concern was looking at the homeless population of those under the bridge with children. And when I would talk and feed the homeless, I meet individuals. And most of them that I met were stating that they were from other states and, you know, came to New Orleans for a new start. So then I became more inquisitive knowing, well, hey, did you work, you know, at any time? You know, so they'll say, yeah, three years ago I had a job. Did you ever file those taxes? And they would say, no, I don't pretty much understand how to file taxes. So I would help them get the transcript off the IRS site, and I filed it for them to ensure that they had some type of financial needs that they actually qualified for to help get them off, I mean, from under the bridge, off the streets into some type of uh, housing situation. So from there, that became my mission when I realized some people are homeless and they have a background. You know, all these people were, were not born homeless. Right. Something took place. And everybody not choosing to be homeless. They just missed some education on where they could be helped at. So I was doing it for free for the first uh, three years. Now, to, to start your business, you were able to acquire seed money from an unlikely source. Can you tell us about that? To make my business, uh, I legitimize my business, my son, who is no longer with me, offered to pay for my software. When I moved to Atlanta to finish my my PhD, you know, I could not find a job, but it was more feasible to do my residencies I needed, you know, in the Atlanta, Georgia area. So okay. I relocated. Uh, I met a guy that I was telling, you know, I need a job. And he was like, well, had you ever considered doing taxes? And I'm like, yeah, I do taxes now. So he gave me pretty much the blueprint on how to grow my business. But it was a fee associated with it for 2500 And I didn't have $2,500. So my son knew that I was very skillful in that area, you know. And at the age of 19 at the time, he like, my, I have money in my account. I can give you $2,500. But as a mother, you don't want to take money that your child saved up. So I refused it, you know, two, three times. And then he sat me down and said, hey, this is for us. This is for the family. You know, putting this money as an investment, you know, for you, uh, help us grow a business that we all can benefit from. And that's when, you know, I pretty much accepted the money to uh, get what was needed to grow my company. Now, one of the things that impressed me about you is that you have given back to the community by providing free to affordable tax preparation services and financial literacy coaching. Can you tell us about that? Okay, so outside of uh, doing taxes to assist the homeless, for college students, we do them 
free because they received their 1098 T phones and they don't work, but they had this form, they have a credit that they received that's usually about $1,000. So because it's so low in a, a return amount, we, we don't charge them. So because we understand that they are our future and they are working, you know, to replace us, you know, the truth of that, you know, being to replace us in positions, you know, we offer it for free. And also for any senior citizens who don't have dependents to carry, you know, out of respect from them being the elders, mm -hmm. you know, we filed them for free as well. You know, it's just part of our mission to uh, provide community service, not just taking from the community by filing your tax and charging. We also give back to the community. And that's uh, some of the ways that we ensure that we are doing our part to grow our community. Now, as a CEO and owner of a, of a company, what qualities do you think every entrepreneur should possess? Because a lot of times you have people, they see the, 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 the bright picture, but they don't know that there are certain things that they must do along the way um, to get to that point. And, uh, and, and they also don't know uh, the different qualities that one may need to have to be a successful entrepreneur. Can you shed some light on that? Okay, sure. The first thing I would say is having a growth mindset to be able to visualize where you want the company to go over the years and not have the mentality of seeing results overnight. Um, being able to collect and measure your data and analyze it. Like many people operate a business and they never go back to say, well, let me analyze to see where I went wrong at or what did I do great. So collecting data is very important in anything you do in life. Uh, the key method I use is that numbers don't lie. So being able to retrieve that factual information, it gives you a clear idea of where you are. And then being able to break it down, you know, in small steps, to strategize, what can I do next to reach whatever small goal that I set before being able to obtain the big goal? So it's a lot that I can say in that area, you know, um, that I coach people with doing. But one of the biggest things I always say is having that mindset, that growth mindset. And on the spiritual side, you know, having faith, keeping the faith that, um, Anything that I want to do in life is possible. You know, I can do it. I will do it. But also knowing that what you're doing feeds into your purpose. So you're not just doing anything for money. You're doing what sticks with you, what represents you, and what allows you to become the expert of it. And most importantly, enjoy doing it. You had shed some light on, you know, numbers don't lie and analyzing what, what went right, what went wrong brings me to my next question. What have been some of the, uh, your biggest learning experience in running a, a business? Okay. So it, it'll go back to that. My biggest learning experience being was being able to measure, measure the growth. Um, before I was just operating as a hustle before I legitimized my company, I was making money and say, well, Hey, this year I made 50,000 dollars or 40,000. And then, you know, I didn't know what was working, what wasn't working. I was excited there. So when I uh, made my company legit, uh, had my own software, I started pulling back from my teaching experience. 
like in order to go my students, I had to measure them to see what it was, uh, what to use to get them to get, give me the results that I need to render success. So I start pulling back all my um, skill sets, my education that I had along my path to make it uh, worthwhile where I am today. So when I started measuring my data and creating my strategies and setting the goals, that that's what gave me a clear visual of where to go and how to grow my company uh, to a multi-million dollar company where it is, where it is today. With regards to Royal Financial Services, how many employers uh, uh, do you employ? Off season for Texas, we have five. On season, we have about 12, 12 employees. And I also have partners, you know, throughout the United States, you know, who purchase our software. I coach them and I train them during the off season mm-hmm. on all the knowledge of taxation. And I just work with them throughout the tax season of being right there, you know, with my team to assist them with their group. So um, I don't count them as employees, and I consider them to be partners. Every day is a new beginning um, in anybody's life. And, and of course, uh, when you're CEO and owner of a company, what routines do you follow each day? The first routine is prayer. You know, the first thing I do, I, I wake up in the morning, I pray. You know, I thank God for uh, giving me another opportunity to be more and more successful, and I ask him to make my purpose for today clear to me and to assure that it aligns with my pet. So um, I get my morning started with positiveness, you know, positive, you know, motivation. I listen to uh, certain motivational speakers on YouTube, you know, in the office or mm-hmm. in the car, you know, just to get in that moment of today going to be successful despite it all. Can you tell our listeners about the many services that you provide to the community, such as Thanksgiving giveaways, Christmas toy drives, scholarship funding, school supply giveaways, stop the violence rallies, and other initiatives? Basically, we do what's needed in our community to show that, you know, again, as I stated, that we don't just take money, you know, from our clients by charging them a fee. You know, we utilize a percentage of that to ensure that we're giving back. So I always tell my clients, You're, you are a part of the, of the give back just by following with us. So right now we're working on our Thanksgiving giveaway. We um, provide a turkey, two liters of cold drinks, cake mix, and the whole fixings, you know, the macarons, the canned goods. And we try to provide for up to 250 families per year. Mm. You know, so we advertise for 250. We have them sign up for it. We have a partnership with a local school, rival Moulton, uh, charter school that's down the street from our office. And we all come together and set up there to uh, pass these baskets out. But thank, I mean, for Christmas, we purchased enough toys for over a thousand kids from age group of age groups of zero to 12. We provide food, we provide entertainment, we provide financial literacy, games and engagement. You know, we recruit volunteers, you know, uh, from other organizations to make it a four-hour event with Santa and pictures and what's needed to give these kids a great memory during their break. So why they only Christmas break from school? We want to keep them engaged in the Christmas spirit. You know, and um, ensure that they have hands-on access to financial literacy, along with the parent being present 
to also teach them some things that they need, you know, on a financial level. And uh, uh, the scholarship funding, can you shed some light on that? Okay, so because I'm a, I'm a former educator, I taught both high school and middle school. I noticed in high school, they give out several scholarships, you know, uh, as a motivating point and a financial usage to go to college. So on a middle school level, I sat back and thought about, we're not doing nothing for our middle schoolers. So in order for them to take advantage of these high school opportunities, we have to introduce them to it now. So I started scholarships with, I think it's eight local middle schools now at the moment to provide five students at each school uh, anywhere between 300 and $500 you know, for high achievement, change behavior, and leadership. And when I present to them, I inform them that you're here in high school, do your best, work it hard, and strive for excellence because there is, you know, funding and other scholarships of larger amounts that you need to start working for during your ninth grade year. So I use it as an incentive for them to, um, to see that this is part of the reward for your hard work and it'll be most beneficial to you on a high school level entering college. However, you know, let's start this now. Also, with the high schoolers, I take three out of four high schools I have so far, and we do $2,000 to help them buy books entering college. Okay. So just try to just teach them the importance of doing well, you know, to be able to qualify for the resources that's available to them to gain um, um, more finances, especially they come from a family that really can't afford, you know, certain things for them to become successful, you know, uh, in college. Despite your success, you have faced adversity in your life. Can you uh, shed some light on that? Well, my son who... um, purchased a software equipment for me and made a loan. I was able to pay him back, you know, at the age of 21, you know, um, he was murdered, you know, in New Orleans, you know, of a senseless crime early in the morning outside of a pharmacy. You know, it was very unforeseen. And, it, um, and of course, it hurts, you know, uh, to this day because my son was involved in the stop the violence rallies with me. He was involved in my tax company, you know, um, he did everything that need, that was needed on a financial side. You know, he had a decent credit score at 21. He was uh, going to close on a house a week after he was murdered. You know, that was my plan. So he was taking on the steps necessary to um, to follow my footsteps. You know, I truly inspired him. So he always kept me motivated. Um, you know, you can do this. Or we can be as big as we want to be. So he was my inspiration. It's just that, unfortunately, he was not here to see the company make its first million dollars. But um, I give the thanks to him because without him, the company wouldn't even be in existence to where it's at, you know, because of the the seed money, I would say, that he invested into the growth. So it's hard, you know, getting past that by, you know, seeing your goals being met and not being able to have that conversation with the main person that invested in the company and always believed in you not being able to say what you said was right, or look where we're going, you know, um, and have him to respond back. That's hard. You're listening to Career Talk. We're joined today by Dr. Shawanda Moore. She is the CEO and owner of Royal Financial Service. We're going to hear more from her in just a minute, so stay with us. Welcome back to Career Talk. We're here today with Dr. Shawanda Moore. She is the CEO and owner of Royal Financial Service. And 
one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, was really, um, where, where do you see Royal Financial Services, say, in the next five to ten years? I see Royal Financial Services being one of the leading industries in um, across the United States as it relates to financial literacy. I think that, you know, we have what it takes for us, the mindset, uh, the strategies and the knowledge, the knowledge to be able to produce a curriculum, you know, along with the resources and tools needed to have high schoolers introduced to financial literacy and to be able to pick up on the adults, you know, that miss the financial literacy as well. So we do, you know, have a podcast we just recently created and we are working on creating that curriculum that we want to be able to share across the United States. So I do see that as being one of our main factors, you know, which would be much greater than just being a tax company, Mm -hmm. but given what's needed in society, that financial literacy. But one thing I know is financial literacy, you know, real quick, uh, you have people that purchase, purchase homes and they don't read the documentation. So when they purchase a home, they are more excited about, you know, being able to say, I came out the project, I came out the hood, I'm in this home. But they don't understand the 30-year breakdown of it. Okay, so I was paying 1200 in rent here. You know, now I'm paying 1500 in the mortgage. But it's for 30 years. So if you cannot keep a career or run a business or ensure that you can afford this, especially where the housing market is now, then a lot of those people lose their home. Mm-hmm. And we're dealing with a lot of that right now. Where individuals come in, you know, to file their taxes, and then they're saying, like, but hey, you know, I'm behind on my mortgage, they have a lien in my home, but I didn't really understand the paperwork that I signed. And I'm like, because you didn't have the financial literacy for it. You know, they advertise it as become a homeowner, but it's nobody filling in the gap of teaching the financial literacy and the financial responsibility of becoming a homeowner. You know, we all get that picture of, oh, I want the big house, I want to get the project, right. I want to get the hood, I want to seem like I made it but we don't have a financial background behind it. It's interesting because I've had guests on my show. I've had former uh, NBA players and and college coaches and and the likes. And one of the things we talked about is that we, you know, we've, you know, we see a lot of professional athletes made millions and millions of dollars and they're broke because they lack the financial literacy. And what you've talked about is, uh, in terms of uh, implementing it in the, in the school system is so needed. I used to always say one of the um, most popular, uh, one of the lost arts of saving was the, was the piggy bank. I know when I was small, I got a piggy bank and my mother used to tell me, oh, put, your, put your coins in there or whatever and you know, save it up. And then eventually when I was old enough, uh, she, she was able to um, open up a, a bank account for me. And I was saving money. And then... There was times when I wanted something, and then she said, "Well, now see, you've saved up money. Now you have the mo- you have uh, money in your savings. You're not taking everything out to saving, but you have uh, uh, enough money to take out of your savings to purchase what you you wanted to to buy or whatever it might be. But the 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 the, the fact that financial literacy or just a foundation that's planting a seed even with with a piggy bank. But you talking about the importance of financial literacy is so, so important. Now, what advice can you give to somebody who's uh, planning to start their own business? I would say plan it correctly. You know, don't just plan it in your mind, plan it on paper, you know, create the visual for it, you know, create the business plan for it. Ensure that you're taking the right steps needed to first, 
um, create the company. You know, then from there, you know, start your product, understand your product or your service, you know, become knowledgeable, knowledgeable about it. And then um, you go with defining your targeted audience, audience, who I want to sell this to, who I want to provide to, you know, taking the realistic steps of starting a business to have all this start out before jumping in it. Don't just jump in, you know, because you jump in first, you may drown and it may not be, you know, as as successful initially, but when you plan it out properly and find your mentor, find somebody that's already in the business world that can mentor you, guide and direct you. I think people are afraid of building, you know, working networks, you know, that's what I see like in our city is like you very seldom, uh, see someone who comes in to inquire knowledge to say, well, hey, you know, I'm under studying, studying, you know, this concept or this type of business. What would you uh, be able to tell me? You know, I don't see a lot of that. We do offer that. Like, I have a lot of people from out of state that when they read an article on me, they would send an email. You know, I do coach them, you know, for free. I mentor with them because I'm like, you know, what I have, I don't mind sharing. You know, I pass it on because it's not, it, it makes no sense to have so much knowledge and you just hold it into yourself. So I think that you're starting a business to try to research some things, uh, try to seek out people that can help and guide you to make sure, because I could, I could sit here and say a whole lot of things and not going to be able to gravitate to it, you know, in a short period of time. So that would be my best advice, research and communicate with others. Now you had shed some light on what, you know, your, your life journey, your, Diversity, challenges you face. You've, uh, despite your success and busy uh, schedule, you've authored books. Can you shed some light about those? I did create my own introduction to tax preparation book and the workbook only because I teach a course. So okay. when I sell my software, I don't just say, here's the software, you figure it out. You know, I, I teach them how to do taxes, I teach them, you know, branding, marketing, I teach them how to. Uh, uh, seek out a targeted audience, how to strategize. So the book assists with my, my course. Mm-hmm. So I looked at it at the college level and what worked for me, having that hands-on resource, you know, when that class ends that I can go back to is very important. Also, I have some children financial literacy books that's on a, a second to fourth grade level, you know, that uh, that's pretty much telling stories around Christmas and other catchy holidays or subjects to get them, you know, to want to hear the story, mm-hmm. but also pick up the financial literacy terminology and concepts. What is the website for Royal Financial Services? It's the taxdoctor.com. It's spelled uniquely. So it's T-H-E-T-A-X-D-O-C-T-A.com. So it's not doctor, it's doctor, D-O-C-T-A, the tag doctor, dot com. Briefly, is there anything else that you would like to add? I will share my number in case anyone has any further questions. They can contact me at 833-769-2549. That's 833-769-2549. And now the career tip of the day, which is taken from my 10 commandments of finding a job. The first one, of course, is know thyself. The second one is presentation is important. Construct a well-written resume and cover letter and have someone with experience in critiquing resumes and cover letters review it. Be open to feedback. 
Your resume and cover letter are your first point of contact with a potential employer. It is your official representative that is designed to highlight your educational background, work experience, and skills, along with arousing the reader to invite you in for an interview. More importantly, it should be clear, concise, reader-friendly, and error-free. You've been listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Ruben Britt. Once again, I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Shawanda Moore, CEO and owner of Royal Financial Service, for being on the show. Until next time, stay positive. And remember, success does not come to you. You go to it. You've been listening to Career Talk, a monthly program featuring information on career and academic planning, sponsored by the Rowan University Office of Career Advancement. Tune in on the first Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. for another edition of Career Talk, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.